I'm Lisa Bryant. I'm Leanne Gibbs. And I'm Liam McNicholas. And this is the Early Education Show, a fortnightly look at the policy, politics and practice of Australia's early education sector. Twenty twenty. We're so glad you're nearly over. This is our fifth annual end of year episode, taking a look back at the year that was, looking ahead to 2021 and answering some listener questions. So let's go straight into it. Lisa Leanne, it's lovely to be wrapping up a fairly insane year with you. Can it I is, but will it ever end? Faster. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, I think we were saying Snap. the same thing, Lisa. We don't think it's ever going to end. And it must feel exactly that way for people in their early childhood settings as well. There needs to be just some sort of award or medal or statuette or something. It's just handed out to. I mean, I, let, let, we may be biased, but let's just identify the early education sector full stop. But maybe just to everyone to say, look, we did, we, we made it. It's nearly. <gasps> we, we, let's let's have them as the time cover person of the year or like. <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Didn't, didn't some organisation or something get person of the year at some stage? Let's just call the early childhood education sector. Person of the year this year. That's done. Yeah. We've officially made that happen. I'll, if I get time on Photoshop, I'll make up a time cover for Early Childhood Educator, Person <sighs> of the Year. I lie. I'm not going to have time awesome. to do that. <laughs> um, I got asked to. Do you remember some time ago I did a If I Was Treasurer piece? And I yes. came up oh, yes. these really good things for a budget. Yes. Well, Community Childcare in Victoria asked me to do an opinion piece to go in their summer edition of their newsletter. And I did a If I Was a Prime Minister piece. Oh, you promoted you yourself, you know what Lisa. I did as a Prime Minister? I thanked every educator and early childhood teacher for being awesome. Oh, Lisa Bryant, good on you, PM. Lisa. Yeah, that's what I reckon. Yeah, well, treasurers often become PM. That's not unheard of in Australia. Yeah, okay, well, good. There you go. Does this mean that I then get a job at the OECD or something exciting next? Oh, can we be on your staff, Lisa? We'll have yeah, you. Yeah, you can. Um, okay, well, can we all go? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of my lifetime dreams. Except, hang on, isn't the OECD somewhere where there's really bad COVID? Where's it based? <laughs> oh, is it in France or something, or...? Uh, I've got no idea. It's in Paris. Europe somewhere. Geneva. Think, isn't it? Yeah. Geneva. Geneva. Europe's Geneva. not doing so well. They might move it here, Lisa. It might make it easier for you. Well, I've got to say, you know, I was looking, we were doing a bit of a tidy up um, here at home, one of the rare tidy ups. Um, and I found the, the magazine that the IAU put out. Is it Bedrock, I think it's called, which, um, which yep. had the one they sent us after our appearance at the IAU conference last year. Um, and it was it must have come out in like November or something, like a sort of a year ago. And there's a lovely photo of the three of us in happier pre COVID times when we were allowed oh. to get together and we had the whole world ahead of us. We were twenty we were looking forward to twenty twenty. We had lots of exciting things planned and I just look back at that group that lovely photo of that group of people and go, Oh god, if only you knew what was coming your way. <laughs> have yeah. we seen each other this year? Um, I've seen Leanne. Um, we had a, I don't I don't think I've seen you Lee, but we do we, we I, had a covert operation in the ACT. We did, but, but are we allowed to officially? This is like an exclusive announcement for the early education show. We are, as we're recording this on I think the seventeenth of December. We are we are all planned. We are going to be seeing each other in person, sort of over that Christmas New Year week, aren't we? 
we're coming are. down to see you, Lisa. It's so exciting. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Will we record a podcast? No. No. <laughs> we will cool. sit on the beach and drink beer. Ah. Leanne, you can record one with Annabelle and Elliot. How about that? <laughs> I'm going to do um, some research with them and have children's voices. That's right. Uh, this is what I do. So I'm just preparing them to go now. You're going to meet this woman. She's going to talk about leadership a lot. Just just humour her. It's all it's all fine. <laughs> like, oh, Dad, your friends are so cool. <laughs> <laughs> How come you know all the cool kids? <laughs> so we will have to, I think we'll obviously have to get a, a nice photo of, uh, of the three of us. It happens very rarely. So we'll keep an eye on social media pages for sort of close to the new year period for that. That's what I'm. That's what I'm. I'm spending a lot of time looking forward to that at the moment. It'd be nice to see you both in person. Yeah, for sure. That would be amazing. <laughs> but uh, so this is this. I, I couldn't believe when I started writing the intro. This is the fifth time we I have know. done this. It's, which is that, that's incredible. Just Given crazy. That I can never remember the previous one, much less. Well, I. You know what? I can remember the previous one because this time last year I was actually in um, the UK. That's right. We recorded it, and I, I was in – I don't think I was in Bristol. I think I was in Manchester. This time last year, I was in Bristol at the leadership conference that I discussed <laughs> with Annabelle and Elliot. Um, but, yeah, I, we recorded it, and I was in a bath, um, uh, like, hotel room. Oh, it was like off. a very long, <laughs> long time ago. Oh, no. Well, when do we get to record internationally, Lisa? I mean, that's – yeah, we have to work on that. Well, no, to be fair, you've recorded from Norfolk Island, I think, Gabby. It's just me that's been letting yeah, the team down. Yeah, I have. <laughs> uh, I'll have to work on that. But um, so what we do with these episodes is we we sort of look look at the year in review. I've got, to be honest, I've no idea how that's going to work this, t- this time, given the, the, the year that's been. But generally what we've done is we, we each sort of pick one event or one incident or one thing that happened or one theme or whatever from the year and sort of chew it over for a bit and we try and get a bit of a sense of the year that's just gone. Then we try and look ahead to 2021 and make some predictions and think about some of the things we think might be on the horizon. Um, my favourite part of that is I I go back and listen to last year's 2019 year in review. Uh, I have listened to and have documented our predictions and then we're going to see how we went. Um, I Are can, you laughing at us? I can laugh. I am well, pretty disappointingly that out of the three of us, not one of us got global pandemic. So, I mean, that's, I mean, if <laughs> yeah, we're, if we're, hiring, if, if we're holding cool. ourselves up as sector, you know, experts and analysts for stuff ahead, <laughs> we, we have not done well. Let's just get that spoiler alert out of oh. the way now. Um, and then we've got a few questions from listeners who are, we put out a bit of a call on social media and um, I think the last episode of our podcast for some questions and we've got some great ones so we're going to we're going to tackle those as well but that's the that's the rundown so we might start with the sort of the year that's been I, I honestly I'm not sure how uh, this is going to go I'm going to very cowardly put myself last so I've got time to try and process the entire year in the next five minutes that is very very smart smart. and because of that kind feedback about my approach leanne i'm going to make lisa go first so lisa you're gonna have to pick one thing to for us to have a chat about what's the one thing that stood (laughs) out for you this year so the one thing for me that stood out is that childcare was free Sorry, did I just say childcare? That's because that's what they've been telling us. Early education care was free. But I don't want to talk about that in terms of what that meant for families or children. I want to talk about what that meant in terms of advocacy because I think we're now in a better state for advocacy than we've ever been because all those families and businesses, etc. 
realised how imperative early education care were, was and how much fun it was when they didn't have to pay for it. Mm. Yeah, I actually agree with you, Lisa. I think, bizarrely, I do feel strangely more optimistic about advocacy in the sector, you know, sort of sitting here in December 2020 that I have in a very long time. That's pretty good, isn't it? Could have been worse. Yeah, I don't know if we say that makes it worth it, but um, no. we could say that is <laughs> that is a positive. But um, look, I, I think I might have mentioned in a podcast a few episodes ago, but um, I have sort of noticed that shift in the families I interact and engage with uh, at, at Northside. I do think there's been this subtle hard-to-define shift in family understanding or appreciation for the work of educators and directors. I do actually mm. think there has been a shift there. Mm. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So how do we build on that, Lisa? Um, no, it's too close to Christmas for me to come up with advocacy ideas. What, not, <laughs> not 100 advocacy strategies right now? What is wrong with you? I'm tired. Yeah. I'm really tired. Fair enough. <laughs> these these episodes normally I think I looked back at the uh the the, the the previous four we've done, they've all gone for about an hour and a half. I suspect that may not be the case tonight. I suspect me we we, we might not have enough energy to, to dissect. Tonight the will year. be the shortest shortest night ever. It was bad enough living through the year. Analyzing it might be <laughs> might 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 be too much for us. But um yeah, no, I I, I Completely agree, Lisa, and I think um, I, I'm probably going to spin off of that on my the thing I'm going to choose. If Leanne doesn't uh, steal it away from me, but Leanne, what's your sort of one big? I nearly said the horrible management cliche takeaway there, but I'm going to stop myself before I utter those <laughs> syllables. What's your big thing from the year? The big thing from the year, I think, and it's probably sort of building off Lisa's because that's what we do, right? Um, was that I think it exposed everything that is wrong with the way early childhood systems and systems around children are constructed. And I think the reason that it did that was because whilst free early child, free childcare or whatever we want to call it was applied to um, a solution, it also wasn't the best solution for everybody because it didn't you know like if if we had of if we had a free early childhood education system then it wouldn't have mattered in the pandemic it would because we already would have had but i think it's it's sort of exposed all of the fault lines of every system so the fault lines are that we don't have a good system for all children that there isn't equity um, across families when it came to children being at home and having um, having access to, uh, you know, digital online learning or having access to homes where everything was kind of working well and, and that children were safe. And educators didn't have access to safe working conditions or didn't have access to great wages during this time. So I guess it's kind of like I've just used a big blanket and put it over it, but I think this exposed all of the fault lines that there are there for children in society and for children um, within early childhood education systems. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's sort of summed up for me um, and our po- friend of the podcast and uh, Twitter confidant, uh, Carl Hessian, is going to be annoyed and frustrated that I have not picked this as my one uh, sort of thing for the year, but I'm going to mention it now, which is, you know, the whole free early education thing came from the really quite what what seemed to be a quite sudden realization from the education minister Dan Tian, which he actually put into words in his press conference, which was the system was too complex. So rather than being able to use the system, they had to actually turn it off. And it just seemed to be this bizarre re- realization from a minister and a government that was responsible entirely for this system that they then went, it's to it's so complicated, this thing we've made that we have to turn it off and it is this but it wasn't so complicated that they couldn't turn it back on was it no exactly but this bizarre you know exactly as you just said leanne this bizarre hodgepodge of a system we have in place to support children just is clearly not fit for purpose and look i still um and look maybe my brain's melting as we get to the end of 2020 and all that's left is this sort of little bit of optimism so i've got to thank you for that leanne but i do, I do think that will have to go somewhere eventually i'm you know i'm prepared to give the government bizarrely a bit of a pass given they've got a bit on um but and but i think we'll have to see some sort of reform in that space it probably won't be exactly what you know the three of us would come up with but i i don't think you can sort of have that 70 days of free early education directly as a result of the government saying, yeah, that system we implemented turned out to be not so great. Um, I doubt they're just going to sort of leave it sitting there like that. We'll have to see some sort of change there. I'm, I'm, I, I'm looking I, ahead to a I prediction. I want to repeat this to you next year. <laughs> I'm not making that yeah. a prediction, by the way. I'm not making that a prediction. No, this, is, this is wonderful <laughs> optimism from you at this time of year. I'm so impressed. Well, thank you very much. Clearly, once you burn away the outer shell of a of a hard-bitten... Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't even know what the opposite of the word optimist is anymore. But um, but the so pessimist. Cynical, pessimist, pessimist. That's the word. That's the word. <laughs> I see. It's 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 all gone. I don't. I can't even know the word anymore. Once, obviously, there's this core. There's this hopeful. This hopeful person right in the middle. So let's wonder how long he will be. Uh, he'll be in presence for, but maybe not that long. Well, I like him. I'd like him to hang around. I'll see. I'll see if he's available in 2021 for the for season six or whatever up to of this. This ridiculous show, um, but yes, no, I, I'm, I'm in complete agreement, and I think probably splitting the difference between the two of you, my big sort of takeaway for the year is the role of the educator and sort of teachers within early education. I think that is being seen very differently now. Separate to maybe this is splitting hairs a bit, but it's sort of separate to the the sector and how people have sort of seen that you know oh my god we actually need this sector to work and we didn't realize how important it is i think people are now thinking differently about educators so we've had although i think there is an element of tokenism and i not I, the, the words themselves without you know action on pay and wages to back them up are a bit hollow i don't think we should underestimate the importance of you know, the Prime Minister and the Education Minister in Parliament describing early childhood educators as essential workers, thanking them. Um, now, again, it's very I'm very quick to jump to, well, you know, thanks are great, but you can't buy a lot of groceries or a house with, uh, with thanks. But that is quite a big step, and it's not something I would have thought we would have heard um, from, from the government. Now, it's, you know, balanced by the fact that it was the first sector to have JobKeeper taken away from them. So I don't think that sense of goodwill lasted too long. 
Um, but I do hope as well, and maybe and this is kind of linked to what I was talking about before. But I think hopefully we've crossed a bit of a you know a line in terms of how educators are thought of and that work that early childhood educators do in our communities. I think even if it's just families that have changed or augmented their views, um, you know, that to me is something I'll think, I think, you know, when we look back at the year that was in 2020 in a few years time, I think we, um, I I suspect maybe hope is the better word. I hope that we will see that as a bit of a change in how educators were viewed in our community. I hope it would be great. I, what I think, we need to do though is like what Lisa's saying about the the advocacy um and although she didn't come up with come up with all of the strategies that we need this is the time like we can't let this be forgotten and I think that's what can often happen you know everything goes back to business as usual and we forget and it, it's so important to keep the momentum up around that messaging and that it doesn't just disappear for sure and I think we're seeing some evidence of that. You know, when we look at, um, you know, a lot of the or the big new campaign that's been launched, Thrive by Five, and we spoke with the, the CEO of that, Endeavour, Jay Weatherall, uh, a month or two ago, or in 2020 time, four or five years ago. Um, and at the, the professional recognition of educators is a big, is, is a plank of that campaign. It's a foundational principle of that campaign. So I think... You know, that to me is a positive sign that when advocacy is being thought of, I think, I think hope maybe again that educators are, are a much more embedded part of that thinking right from the start. Yeah. Yes, definitely. So we just need to, are you saying we've got to keep working hard? Um, well, educators don't have any choice. They've got to keep working hard. Sorry, but I guess those of us who are supporting educators... Yes, the that that fight is most certainly not over. Okay. Yep. No pressure, everyone. Quick rest. The end of twenty twenty. Back to it in twenty twenty one. Is there any, so? Those are the sort of three big things we wanted to bring up. Were there any other, you know, things that we thought as we shut the door on twenty twenty, at least from the podcast perspective? Are there other, is there anything else we wanted to quickly sort of bring to the table? Look, there's lots of other things, but I suspect they'll come up in other parts of it. Oh, will they? Yeah. How will we know what they are? Well, I'd be really surprised if no one's asked us a question about the G8 wage theft. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I won't bring that up then. I think there's something that's consistent throughout 2020 that has been consistent around through very many other years and I I would love a year where we get to this point and we don't have to mention it is um, fraud in family daycare yeah that's it's not been a good few months few sort of last couple of weeks we've seen quite a few stories on that haven't we mm, yeah and I, I just think isn't it even, even sort of somebody was talking to me last night a non-early childhood person my god I did actually um, <laughs> why are you talking to these people Leanne? I don't what? know I don't know and they and they said, family daycare is it just super easy to commit fraud in family daycare? I didn't have a good answer for that. Look at, no, it's not. And part of the problem is is that everything it feels like a lot more fraud than it is because, first of all, 
the people are arrested, then there's a court case, then the department makes a comment about it, then the department comments again, then the department releases a press release or the minister releases a press release saying how much money that the government saved. So it actually, like if you add up the actual cases, it's a lot less than it sounds. But yes, there was... It's not that it's particularly easy, but that a group of people found the flaws in the childcare subsidy system and the easiest way for them to exploit them was through family daycare rather than a centre-based service because it's a little bit... Um, you got to have kids coming through a door at a centre-based service kind of thing. Yeah. Lisa, I know you've explained this to me in the past, but the childcare subsidy, the Jobs for Families package, one of its fundamental sort of reasons for existence was sort of fraud prevention. A lot of the things that are frustrating and difficult about the system were because it was designed to stop fraud. I, so, I think that there's only been two family daycare frauds in the childcare subsidy system. Most of them happened in the prior system. Ah, okay. Oh, okay. So it's just the reporting of it. But there's been yeah. new ones this year. Yeah, I guess there was one wanna, yeah. new one this year. Um, yeah, and God knows how was the mm. answer I'd give to that. Mm, okay, interesting. Well, that clears that up. Wow. Yeah. I think the only other thing I'd want to bring to the table, because if I think back to the start of 2020 and the kind of um, God, I almost made it sound like we do lots of thinking and planning on this show, which we most definitely do. But if I think back to the kind of episodes I assumed we might be tackling and the kind of people I wanted to speak to, it's almost hard to remember now. But we were coming out of that horrific, you know, um, summer of bushfires, and and I thought we may have a sort of be much bigger focus on you know climate change and what that means for young children. We ended up doing our first episode of the year on it, and I, I, I listened back to that episode not the long ago. I do still quite like it, but I do think that. In general, I will say I worry what the year, which has been so dominated by COVID and the pandemic, I wonder what things we didn't get to talk about this year. That, And I don't necessarily mean the podcast. I mean the sector and the community. You mean that we're overshadowed by COVID? Yeah, and I do think – so in general, but then in particular that idea, you know, given the work we do, which is young children, the people we will be leaving this world to, that that particular topic – um, didn't get enough discussion this year. Um, oh come on! The department put something out last week about what to do if you if there's an emergency in your area. God. All right. Well, okay. I take it all back. <laughs> For the bushfires, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh. like I think it was mostly about claiming money, but yeah, claiming money when there's a bushfire. They remembered. At well. Early Start did an actually an excellent um, webinar on bushfires, like you know, with really good speakers and everything. I know that might have passed you by. Um, there is that focus, but I think what has happened with bushfires and with the the challenges around bushfires is that that's the money is now flowing to the um, NGOs and they're doing the work. Yeah, I just maybe I'm completely wrong, and the problem is you can't. You can't sort of prove a counterfactual. We can't. We will never know what 2020 was like without COVID. But I just, 
I remember at least feeling it is it is the memory of a feeling. It's not sort of rational thought, but I remember feeling like there was this big sort of shift in the Australian community in that sort of January period when we were coming. Well, we weren't even coming out. There was still fires burning in January. It was that February period, and there was this idea that maybe you know we'd get out of this nonsense debate we've been having for the last ten years around you know uh, you know. Uh, climate change policy and funding and there would have to be the ship but then it was immediately kind of swamped by COVID so quickly i wonder mm. if we just as a community as a sector as as people we would have been having a different conversation be thinking differently about that at the end of the year so kind of this yeah. it's all about floods now isn't it well, so, well cicada invasions they're just everywhere at the moment <laughs> they're <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's deafening at work uh, at the moment. Where I work is yeah. beautiful, surrounded by bush. I can't complain, but this, it is deafening. Anyway, it's really. I need, to, is... I need to explain to listeners that I'm currently sitting here dripping under my table because my fellow podcasters complained about the sound of my cicadas. They said it was too loud, so I had to close myself into this very hot wall. Oh, open your window, Lisa. Let the <laughs> listeners hear it. They'll be fine. <laughs> no, they won't. It's very loud. <laughs> <laughs> this is the suffering for, for your benefit, listeners. Well, I'm not. I'm fine. I've got air conditioning. So, you know, sorry, listen. Why don't we move on, I think, to the fun part of that, which is the predictions for 2021. But most importantly... The uh, sort of reveal, the announcement, because um, I get the fun task of going back and listening to last year's episode, because we have all by this point forgotten um, all of our predictions for this year, and we can have a quick look at uh, how we went. We can maybe determine a winner if there was one. Um, we have already given, obviously, the spoiler. No, you know, global pandemics. No one also predicted that, you know, Scott Morrison I'm would announce sure free education. I'm sure that was in mine. I'm sure that was in mine. I'll mind. review the tape. You're just I'll, forgetting. I'll, I'll review the tape, Lisa. <laughs> but it's a, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty prepared to be, uh, to be proven right on this one. Um, but so why don't we? Can any, can, e- can either of you remember anything nope. about your predictions? I nope. I feel like I said there was going to be a workforce strategy. Uh, no, no. What? Do you know what? Did so- I say there'd be a wage rise? Oh, but Lisa's pretty close. We might start with Leanne, mostly because Leanne, Leanne is going to do this year what she did last year, I suspect, when I listen back, which is <laughs> to be quite nitpicky about whether she was successful or not. <laughs> I think she's going to do the same thing this time because it, it, so anyway, I may be proven wrong. Let's see what goes on. So Leanne's prediction was there will be an announcement on universal access, whether it's for the five years or a shorter period of time. I just want to I just want to say that it's going to be ongoing, just because I'm so hopeful for that. So you're announcing so an announcement on universal access. Now, as soon as I heard that, I thought Leanne's going to claim that Scott Morrison and Dan Tian's announcement on free access for those 70 days will prove that she was right. I actually think that I am going to claim that. <laughs> <laughs> because I was technically right. Oh, we're going to need a ruling on that. And Lisa Bryan, no, what do you think? But I, no. think I, I think that, no, seriously, I think that in actual fact I was ahead of the curve because whilst we're saying that there was we didn't know about the pandemic, where that was coming from, 
I already knew that there were cases in China because I was in Europe where that was coming from, but <laughs> looking ahead and knowing that there was going to be a pandemic and that we would need free early childhood education. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I refuse to believe that Leanne would make that up. So we're going to have to give it to her, I guess. I mean, obviously Thank she was you. just Is so that the far only ahead thing of us. I said, though? You did. There was an interesting discussion about um, that there would be some changes in New South Wales to the A&R process, but Lisa got annoyed with you because they'd already been announced in 2019, so she refused to oh, let you have it as a prediction for 2020. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Did anything ever come of that? The, 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 the review? Yeah, the... they happen. Oh, the, the, the star charts, every service has got to put up their star chart from January 2021. Oh, my God. <laughs> means I was a hundred percent right on my last year. <laughs> two for two. <laughs> no, that didn't happen in this year, Leanne. It's happening next year. No, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? What did I say? All right. Now, Lisa's one was New South Wales early childhood teachers will win their fair work case. They'll get an award in a, they'll get an increase in award right. wages. Um and that will happen this year. Now really embarrassingly what happened with that case? I honestly, I wrote that down. I was like, oh, God, this is how bad this year has been. It's still, it's still going. It hasn't decided. been decided yet. Yeah. Oh, God. No. <sighs> how is well, that? it would have I been. I think everything went on yeah. COVID hold. So in that sense, then, everything did go on COVID hold. Do we get another six months on our predictions? <laughs> oh, a six-month exten- COVID-19 extension on predictions. Wow. Well, the issue with that is going to be we're going to have to do a second 2020 wrap-up episode in July 2021. No, no, no. No, no. We've forgotten about 2020. We've got to put it in the rearview mirror, Leanne. I'm sorry. Yep. What was yours, Liam? Well, no. So, Lisa, of course, as with Leanne, who refused to follow the very clear guidelines I set up in these podcasts, which is you have to pick one prediction. So Leanne picked two, so the A&R process and the universal access. So you did as well. Um, so you also said that some of the federalism of the NQF is going to break down a bit. Um, and again, I think you that was probably a good prediction, but I think probably COVID has knocked some of that on the head as well. They didn't have much time mm. to think about the NQF. I don't know. The, the Education Council was disbanded today, and that's kind of like mm. one of the things that keeps the NQF together, so... Yeah. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, but again, that's 2021, Lisa. Yeah, true. Yeah, sorry. But it, but it was disbanded as of today. Yeah. Yes. God, there's been a lot happening in the last few weeks. We really needed a yeah. sort of news list episode, didn't we? But we just... We yeah. don't have time. We'll have to do a big... Um, a big what did we miss episode in February when yeah. we come back. <laughs> we'll just cover all the six months of news we didn't get a chance to think about. Um. So my one was now again I followed the rules just had one you know pretty clear thing so you know just you know I'm just saying that just for you know the benefit of okay. the, any other people we'll have one clear thing easily for, for next year I promise that would be great um, so I have said we will see either nationally or with a number of states the rolling back of the next phase of regulation changes in the NQF uh, particularly with qualifications and staffing requirements um, now I haven't heard anything specific about that and I uh, so I. Don't think I've. I don't think no, I've been successful there. You no, you fail. That's a, that's a big fail. I went yes, out there. Thank God you failed. Yep, yeah, I've had a very bad track record with these 
uh, with these predictions. I think I've I've predicted the you know the downfall of some you know of one of the big for profits. I've uh, there's been various oh, other things. Oh yes, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, that would have been a bit of prediction for last year because there were some wobbles, but no luck. Mm. No. So anyway, so we better then uh, strap on our forecasting goggles and get our crystal balls out and have a look ahead to next year, which um. God, I mean, next year's either got to be a lot easier or there's something else on the way that's just going to somehow make it even crazier. But this might be the most difficult prediction yet, given everything is so much up in the air. But I might go um, to you again first, Leanne. What are you What are you looking ahead for for 2021? Um, what am I looking ahead for or what do I think might happen? What do you think <laughs> might happen? What do you think? Yeah, well, I think, yeah. I think, what, I think something I'm worried about is that there's there is increasing complexity in the sector and it's becoming so it's almost becoming kind of incoherent in that sense and i think that as a result of the opportunity we're going to see more cracks appear in the um, national quality framework so you're re-predicting Sort of our, our thought for well, sort of last I suppose year. so. I suppose that's unfair, isn't it? Like, well, no, I, I think you're like, right. Yeah, maybe, but I think the I'm sort of maybe saying the reasons for it. Are, yeah, yeah. I I feel like we're losing the plot on. <laughs> um, I feel like we're losing the plot on. I'm not being very. I'm sorry. I'm not being very clear. You're going to have to... I think you'll have to edit something here. <laughs> We've all lost the plot. Yeah, it's all fine. We've all lost the plot. We've lost the plot. <laughs> but I just... I feel like I... When I look at this early childhood landscape, I don't... I don't really understand it anymore. It's becoming... It's becoming very incoherent to me. And I think that when things are just very difficult to explain or to clearly say this is what it is, that's when we just start to get too much lobbying around um, things that should be good and they're not. <laughs> you I'm with to, you. I'm with you. You may want to completely edit that. Could I just say, hang on, let's go back. This is my prediction for the year. Um, a toy company will be successful this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and, I- I think I get. I, I know. I, I think I get it, Leanne. I think probably. I don't. I don't know if this is summarising what you just said or. Oh, my, please do. No, well, I think or even. My, I, because I, we made you know sort of Lisa and I both made sort of NQF based predictions in 2019. What I one way of thinking about this is maybe that that probably would have happened if not for COVID. So COVID has both pushed it back but also has added more reasons for it to break down, but it's just going to take a while for that yeah. to filter down. Look, mate, yes, I, I suppose so. And, and so that just makes, means that I'm copying you, but that's what you do when other people are super smart. But what I am going to say is what, what I think we, we're getting this kind of undermining of, you know, like politicians do stuff these days and we kind of go, meh, and they would have lost their jobs however, however long ago over the sort of stuff that we just shrug our shoulders to now. There would have been actions by large corporate childcare that we would have been horrified by in the past. Now it's just kind of like, meh, okay, 
you know, wage theft. Oh, all right. Like there's been barely a blip on the screen about something like that. So where we're not noticing those things, that means that those organisations that we would have maybe held the higher moral ground on or whatever, it feels like that's a rushing tide and that we're not going to be able to hold that back. Oh, that's a unusual, not, not unusual an optimistic prediction. For me, I know. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. No, but I does think. That, does that make clearer what I'm trying to say, or is that just making it more confused? I mean, it makes sense to me now. I'm I'm not looking forward to in December 2021 having to listen back to this episode and trying to work out the mind frame we were all in at the time. And but there's uh-huh. a prediction buried in there somewhere, Leanne, and I'll dig it out at the oh. at the appropriate time. Can you can you edit it to sort of make it sound right? <laughs> I've only, I think there's the, only so I many hours the agenda, in the daily. I think the agenda is being overtaken, even more so this year. All right, that's that's a good summary. I'm gonna how how we say whether you that prediction was successful or not this time next year. I'm not sure, but we can that that's Actually, a, that's that's a problem for they, 2021 podcasts. Yeah, can you just edit me out completely no, from no. this episode? No. <laughs> 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 I think that would be a really good idea. We get what you're saying, Leanne. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Now, Lisa, one thing. What's your prediction for 2021? Follow the rules. Follow the rules. That's all I ask. One one very tiny one is that we'll have a new minister nationally. It's just hard to know whether that's... Is that a cause for celebration or not? It depends who it is, I suppose. Um... But the the main one is, I think that the advocacy for free universal early education will continue to grow, um, and I expect good thing um, thrive by five and some of the other groups that are the parenthood and some of the business groups that are pushing for it. It's optimism from Lisa. My God, what's wrong? I feel like I'm in that twin swap thing. (laughs) (laughs) Parent trap. Does that mean Liam's our our parent? (laughs) Dad. I did just say follow the rules, Lisa, to be fair, many times. I feel that's really good and I'm I'm happy with that. Can I withdraw mine? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's locked in. Sorry. It's been submitted. We have to accept the answer. That's... yeah. Yeah, I think I yeah, I think you're probably right, Lisa. I suspect it might not be you know exactly what we would want, but there, I think there will be still have to be some movement on it. I think the pressure is just going to get too 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 much to bear. Yep. Oh, wouldn't that be good? An advocacy win going into 2021. That'd be amazing. Yeah, that would be. All right, now's time for my prediction, um, and I've listened very carefully to both of yours because I didn't, I haven't sort of settled on one sort of. Yeah, I wish I'd gone second. Yeah, no, it was a bit mean of me, wasn't Leanne? Yeah. But look, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be any more um, articulate than than you on this if <laughs> if, if that's an issue. Um, so I think my prediction for for twenty twenty one is again, I'm, I'm struggling to sort of pick one specific thing because I just think what 2020 has mostly done is just thrown a lot of things up in the air that were otherwise pretty simple so I, I did think a bit about you know your prediction from last year around universal access so we're still at the moment um, back in the same old same old situation with these you know 12 month extensions so part of me goes there'll have to be some sort of change on that but if anything has you know 
proven with this government is they just refuse to do any long-term work on that issue at all. So I'm sort of hesitant to do any sort of prediction on that. I then thought about, you know, in terms of educators, um, you know, would we see maybe another wage case given the, their classification as essential workers, the G8, you know, sort of wage theft stuff might highlight that issue. But I know that those cases take a long time to set up um, the union you know, there there are a lot of resourcing from unions. So I suspect, unfortunately, we're probably not going to see any movement on that uh, next year. So I think um, what my prediction is probably going to be is that, similar to what I was talking to before, so I'm going to stick with that sort of optimism, is that we will see some... I don't, I, look, I hesitate to use the word reforms. I think we will see some reviews and changes to the childcare subsidy. I, we're not going to see it go. There's just, there's just no way. Um, some of this is evidence-based. So Scott Morris, so when Labor delivered their budget in reply and announced their sort of focus on sort of tweaking the system and sort of you know, taking maybe a couple of steps closer to universal access. I think we talked at the time that we, we thought it was being a bit overhyped and it still includes the activity test and all those things. You can go back and listen to whatever episode we did that in back in... When was the budget delivered this year? I don't even know. It was August or something. I've got no idea. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and find it in the show notes. Um, Scott Morrison sort of said the usual stuff, which is, you know, too much money, blah, 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 blah. But he did say, you know, we'll be looking at some funding changes probably in the next budget, so the 2021 budget. And I just think... The the government were I don't know what you two think of this. I my sense of thinking back to that time is the government itself was quite shocked at how difficult it was for them to do anything to, to the system at the time. I think they kind of assumed, mm. oh, we'll figure something out. It can't be that hard. And I think the the ministers and the bureaucrats in the department were a bit shocked and a bit scolded by how difficult that was. And I think there'll have to be some changes there. I, I, I can't predict what they'll be, whether they'll be... I, I really doubt they'll do any sort of loosening of the activity test or any of the reporting requirements because I think that's just so uh, key and important to what they do. But I do wonder, wonder whether we'll see maybe a broader um, activity net, whether activity net, that makes no sense, a broader a safety net, whether we'll see some changes to maybe um, you know percentages or just reducing some of the complexity of some of the sliding scales, I don't know. But I just think they'll have the the department will be working on you know changes so they're not put in this position again if they have to make you know sudden changes to the system. So changes, tweaks, fiddles, very very small reform to the childcare subsidy system will be more my fiddling, more, more fiddling, wouldn't more that fiddling, be wonderful? Which will cost more than just like abandoning it. I. I disagree with you Liam I don't think they'll change it you reckon yeah yeah I mean they, they spent a lot of time energy investment in setting it up so there's a very strong argument to say they'll just be bloody minded about it and just continue but I don't know they must be under a lot of pressure to change it yeah yeah we'll see anyway we'll see. we will see yep December 2021 we will meet back here to um if our brains are still in functioning order by then Mm. Yeah. Yes. All right. Now, I'll I, I'm going to for the slightest, the slightest of changes to the NQF, the slightest, slightest changes, so that I can say I was right. <laughs> now, I'm going to break into this live recording. So, in terms of this being recorded on the 17th, in in the time since we started recording this, one of you has very, <laughs> very quickly <laughs> put a person of the year for Time Magazine. Person of the year is educators in. 
in the running sheet I, for the I'm show. I'm not able. I am not able to be coherent in my spoken word, but my my <gasps> snipping tool skills are second to none. Oh, no, Leanne, <laughs> do we have your permission to share this on the our Facebook and Twitter pages once this episode goes out? Do you reckon it's okay? I think, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. I think so. If you're listening to this now, you need to head on to twittercom show or Facebook. Uh, dot com slash early edgy show I think we still have no Instagram sorry people I, I still have no idea how Instagram works um, and you'll see this excellent cover that Leanne has made how amazing is that <laughs> I'm, oh, you. I'm putting funny, you as a I social media intern image only thing so this would actually work on Instagram I know I just I, I don't know I, I feel like I've invested enough of my time in all the other social media platforms I add another one I might tip headfirst into Insanity. Anyway, uh, yeah, well agree. done, Leanne. That's excellent work. <laughs> um, Thank you very much. All right. Well, I think that's well, a... hopefully, that, hopefully, I'll be forgiven for my incoherent prediction for twenty twenty one. I think you're more coherent than you think you were. Let's move on to, we've got some wonderful questions from listeners. So thanks to everyone who uh, responded to our, um, to our call for, for questions. I will say some of these are some long statements with, uh, with, with particular, which, which I'm very grateful for. So I might summarize a couple of them because there are, um, some, some long ones, but, um, I want to say a big thank you to Kath Howard, who was the first one to get a question in. Thank you very much, Kath. Um, and her sort of question or her sort of provocation to us, um, is around, you know, sort of sector change. So looking at things like, you know, better pay, less stress and burnout, um, you know, pressure from a sequel, that kind of stuff. Um, I think she's, I might just ask her, her, her last sentence here, which is, I'd love to know when and what is happening that are positive changes for educators. Look, I think we've talked a little bit about this sort of mm-hmm. topic, but I'm, you know, I don't know if either of you want to sort of can either, you know, have a answer that question in the big picture, or can we think about some things that are happening that are positive for educators at the moment? Yeah, I can give one. I, in every of the new advocacy things that's ha- been happening, I've never heard one. I've never heard a call for universal childcare or free childcare or universal early education and care that hasn't said delivered by well-paid educators and teachers. So the work that the sector have done around um, pointing out the fact that educators and teachers are paid so poorly has borne fruit in that all these people starting campaigns, they now just put it in there as a matter of, of um, you know, a matter of point of view. A matter of, sorry, God, I'm tired. A matter <laughs> of, can someone yay. give me the word I'm looking no, for? No, yay, Lisa's in <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's a matter of fact, you yeah. Know? Like yeah. it's just there. It's a default yeah? thing that just goes in now. Yeah, mm. yeah. but I think I think Kathy's also um, uh, she's kind of saying also that there's um, a lot of pressure on educators through the NQF and through the assessment and ratings process, and I'll kind of say. 
Yes, there is, but there doesn't need to be. A lot of that is done by services and providers rather than the NQF itself. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That is, although, although to 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 also to sort of counter that a little bit, the the assessment and rating process still is different in many different places. So there's still some inconsistency because that's right. So there's still mm. there will still be some differences, but as you're saying, Lisa, that can be moderated yeah. as well. And I think the line I've always tried to straddle, and I think I talk about uh, trying to promote my own website there, but in some of the blog pieces I've done is trying to straddle the difference between the NQF is a good thing. It's essential, particularly for children. You know, having that minimum quality standard across the sector to me is non-negotiable. But I think, you know, where we failed with the NQF is that the introduction of the NQF and the raising of standards wasn't, wasn't, done in parallel with the raising of um, yeah. wages and professional respect and value for educators. Mm. And those those two things can be true. The NQF can be um, important, uh, but it can be that educators as a sector aren't supported enough to you know, mm. get it right. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because in hearing you say that, I remember in, um, I think it was on the east, eastern side of uh, Canada where they introduced free childcare with no quality, like no quality system, no system of measuring quality or a marginal system of measuring quality. And here we've introduced a system of measuring quality and no way of paying educators. It's like it just folds down, doesn't it? There's one thing and then there's another thing. See, we, you know, maybe we would think that. I wonder what the next thing down would be. It's very interesting. Yeah, me. wow. Um, the the other thing I think that's been a positive change for educators, which I I am very admiring of this year, is that I think that people, that educators have actually been really articulate about the multiple tasks and multiple um, roles that they perform, and that has really been exposed during the pandemic. But I've I've felt people were very um, articulate about that. I don't think that's a change, but it just was an opportunity, which I thought was fantastic. And also, I felt that educators became very cranky about being overlooked, and I thought that that crankiness was excellent. Absolutely, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. The what I might say and uh, is that I do think one of the outcomes of you know, this sort of the, the lockdown and the move to different things is that, you know, there was a lot of professional development made available online um, and, in, and in a lot of cases for free. I mean, we've got, you know, a UOW uh, early start uh, in and of itself, some wonderful webinars um, that were made. Of... I know, we did some amazing things. I, I can't know. believe I didn't say that. It was a appalling. We'll include, a link, we'll include a link to them. Thank but, you, you know, there's, there's other examples out Thank there as well. So um, maybe, a, maybe a minor thing, but, um, you know, that's uh, you know, something. I think you know, not not what not not what not what not what educators probably need, full stop. But something there. So make sure you go out and find those good things. Um, 
Let's move on to a couple of other questions. Now, this one, it sounds like we have paid Sandy to say this, but I promise you she submitted this under no duress. No. Um, Sandy Wong's been on the podcast a number of times. She's wonderful. I actually have to say, bizarrely, we're recording this on a day I got to see Sandy in person. She was in Canberra and came to visit Northside. So, Sandy, thank you very much for this question. So, she has yeah. said, the early education show has played an important role in supporting the EC field during these difficult times. What do you think has been the show's most important contribution? We did not pay her to say this and what have you learned over the past year about the role you play that you'll take forward oh my god we don't take ourselves this seriously san i i I don't know how to answer this question with a straight face um i lynn one of the things that i'm always um surprised at is how many people listen to us and comment about things that we've said etc so like we think we're just sitting here having a chat and putting it out because we've got nothing better to do, but people listen that's to us. It's very worrying. That doesn't that, that that makes me worried. But um, that's a lot. That's of a pressure. lot of pressure. Yeah, think, it is. Well, you know, to, to, it is. Well, we tell them to stop. I, I thought it was just, just us three. Look, three. I'm going to take this question seriously for a moment because to be fair, we, we can. We, yes, there's a lot of self-deprecation and a and a lot of uh, pushing things to one side. You know what I will say is that, and I've sort of said this. A few times is that you know a lot of the the, the the nature of the sector is a lot of it's marketed that you have to pay for a lot of PD. You know, I do go. Do you know what this is? This is free. It's available. It's you know, it's three people doing this in their own spare time, taking a bit of time. We're not sort of supported by any big organisations. We're not, um, you know, sort of operating at that level. It is just people. I think who are um, interested and engaged in the sector, hopefully, to sharing conversations and the conversations I've had with people who have been most I think supportive of the show are saying I don't have a chance to have these conversations anywhere else so it feels like you know I'm just chatting with you two so or three I should say so that I think that's maybe our contribution is you know is just you know it's free it's available we keep it available for everyone and that's more and more rare in the sector I think for sure yeah and I um I think it's when um, Sandy's asked what's the most important contribution, I um, what I felt was that we were able to convey the complexity of the pandemic for early childhood education and for educators. And I, I think that for me, the conversations with our Victorian colleagues, I just showed that. And I, I thought, I, I just, I don't know. I felt really proud of the work that that this sector does. All right. Well, we've talked ourselves up enough mm. there, Sandy. Thank you so much for that question. Um, another. Sorry, but she did. Say, she oh, didn't ask what. What have we learned over the past year? And um, um, what would we take forward? Do you know one of the things that I learned through the year, and it was a little bit outside the show, but. Remember when the first lot of emergency relief funding, whatever it was called, came through and everyone was panicking and going, oh, we're going to go under. And I just grabbed a few people from across the sector together Mm. and did a a video thing. I would never have had the courage to do that without the podcast because who am I to do anything? You know, I don't have an organisation behind me or anything like that. But I think that, one of the things that I'd like us to take forward is that 
um, grabbing possibilities when there, or grabbing when there's a leadership vacuum, we can stand step into it. Does that uh, does yeah. that sound too big noting? Or yeah. no. I'm just wondering how much it's, work it's going to be. Like. Lisa, it's our podcast. <laughs> 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 uh, I, yes, I, I think that that well, I think that actually it's a great example to set is that people can get in there and, and do these things and just have a go because I think when um, we do this, there's certainly not um, extensive preparation. We're more kind of relying on our experience and each other. So I guess that that's a great example. Um, but the thing that that's kind of the theme of what I'd take forward is that um, it's really important to have colleagues and friends they can be the same. They're called colleague <laughs> friends, I believe, um, because I coined that expression, where you can have this ongoing conversation and you're constantly, you know, scaffolding the knowledge and building and crowdsourcing and all of that. And it's just been such a wonderful thing through 2020. And I would just say what I'm taking forward is more <laughs> of it in 2021. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, podcast, podcast oh, pals. All right. It's just getting what for sure. You got oh, it's got me through the podcast. It's got me it's through the pandemic. It's getting way too sentimental now. We need to move on. Okay. Um, another next long time. Question. Oh, hang on. What about? Liam? Oh, what are you take I, well, I think it's the same things I take forward every unit, just because I because I also do the editing and the producing, so I spend a bit more time sort of thinking about the technical nature of the podcast. Is I the I, I actually agree with you, Land. The the discussions with people around just their reaction to particular events and how people were. I want to you know I want to hear more from educators and people working directly, um, in the you know directly in centres with children. I think that's I think we do a lot of that. I don't think we do enough of it. And I think I want to. Yeah, mm. yeah, I want to yeah, see how we can mm. do better yeah. on that. Now, again, we're sort of hamstrung. You know, we record late at night. We we all have jobs and lives and families. And but um, I, you know, I do, I do want to, I do want to do more of that. And I've got to think about how we do that. But you know, can I remind you what happened just before the podcast, just before the pandemic? Lem, you bought Leanne and I you recorders so that we could oh God, go out that's and right. that's on right. the road. <laughs> you have used, used them. them. <laughs> that's no. a, because we because you we were pandemized. That's an utter <laughs> failure of your KPIs for this year. We're going to have to we're going to have to refer. The end of year review is not going to go so well. Those resources were not. Does that mean we won't get that? It's not looking good, Lisa. It's not looking good. Oh Oh, dear. Um, All right, now let's press on because I do know we've um, we're we're hitting we're nearly hitting the one hour mark, and we want to you know not not keep this for too long. So um, Brigitte has been another long term listener and supporter of the show. Um, Now this question actually needs an episode in and of itself, so I think we're going to have to maybe restrict ourselves to short comments for this one. We may have to come back to it early in the new year. But um, Brigitte asks, will G8's wage theft payback draw attention to? an effect needed change in the sector to be respected and fairly remunerated. So again, a lot to unpack there. We might have to restrict ourselves to brief comments. I don't think it will. Someone uh, much smarter than me said that G8 are Teflon. Nothing ever sticks to them. Exactly. And I don't, I think, you know, it's just seen as one of those unfortunate mistakes that big companies can make. I don't Mm. think it will. I think, though, what did was the fact that we were the first sector that had 
um, mm. job keeper taken away. I think everyone in the general population felt that that was unfair. Mm. Yeah. Um, my comment on the wage theft is becoming even more incoherent on the incoherence that I said before, but this <laughs> is my point, is that this is the sort of stuff that we just kind of go, as you're saying, Lisa, just, oh, just runs off. Oh, big companies, this can happen. And, yeah, I, I think that we have to keep drawing back to that because, you know, where big big companies are involved in advocacy for early childhood education and this happens, that's a problem. Absolutely. For sure. Next question. Next question. So Melissa has asked, should quality continue to be assessed without evidence provided of financial management and in- Investment. That's such a great question. I love I know th- this question. We may have to get back in touch it. with Melissa and invite her on to do a whole episode on this as well because that's what a fantastic question. Leanne, do you want to? You, I think you've got something to say about that. Do you want to tackle that? Oh, I just think it's it's terrific. I think it's a great question. I think that um, we're, well, I mean, I think that people would say that that this happens because people submit annual reports and they submit these things and they have shareholders and blah blah blah. But I. Yeah, the the for real the um, assessment of that in the context of of quality, um, and you know these wonderful things about investment in non contact time professional learning. Yeah, let's let's do that. I I think yeah, Melissa, thank I, you. Yeah, I um was doing a review of services for a customer this year, and I had to look at a competitor kind of service, and I looked. And looked at their accounts on the ACNC were trading insolvent. They shouldn't even be existing. And then I looked at their rating and they'd just gone up from working towards mm. to meeting. And I wow. went, you can't possibly be meeting if you're trading insolvent. How on earth did you get a, a meeting in the you know quality area seven? Like that's mm. your most basic governance responsibility do not trade insolvent well it is but then it's not gutsy enough and that's the thing about it you know that the governance is is it isn't it isn't strong enough um and that's why we should ask um melissa to put forward her suggestion for a review of quality area seven but i i think exactly like you know we we see some incredible centers that invest um, and we see those that sit in the for-profit and the not-for-profit space that invest in these things, non-contact time, professional learning. And let's look at the evidence around these things and actually put some money next to those those items because we do know the evidence tells us professional learning does, um, you know, work to increase quality, not time away to plan and and qualifications and all those things you know so yep let's let's line it up with the dollars Liam can we have an episode where we talk about the things that should be elements and and you know even quality areas and standards our own review that aren't of the there? NQF sure lock yeah. it in Lisa I that think we've got about four fun. episodes planned for 2021 already cool. now just based on this one episode I think I think yeah, mm-hmm. and leadership and governance governance should be quality oh. area one, two, three, four, <laughs> five, two. <laughs> right, we're saving that argument. We're saving that argument for twenty twenty one. I think we've got time for one more question now. Our, our wonderful friend Carl submitted, I think, no less than six questions. So I'm going to pick my favourite one because I think it might be a fun light note to end the year on. Maybe if we eat, no, I think we're just we're, we'll, one, that we'll no, get it no, we're only going to pick done. this one because this on. is a good one to end on. Um, so out of ten, what score would you give Dan Tian? 
education minister in 2020? And why? Is he the well, as of as of time of recording? I should say seventeenth of December. God knows who it is by the time you're listening to this, but he has been the man with the plan in twenty twenty. So, what score are we going to give him? Does this be a joint score? Or are we going to give one each? I think maybe one each, and we'll have to average it out as the podcast score. Okay, one because he just does nothing. Okay, what do you reckon, Leanne? Um, look, I haven't broken down his performance. Are we looking at? Uh, are we looking at face and figure? Are we looking at um, performance in the um, well, competition? Are we looking <laughs> at um, talent? What about are we looking at? <laughs> are we looking at talking on stage about world peace? Well, I think is this like sure. the NQS? If he gets one in any of those, his is his overall rating one out of ten. <laughs> um. Look, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I suspect I might have to be the fair one, just so I have a nice average. I might have to give him like a four or a five because I guess what we can say is that the sector could have absolutely collapsed under his watch and he did the bare minimum required to ensure that you know the sector itself didn't actually collapse in flames during... Did he or did the department Well, it is his department. I think we probably have to give him some some credit for that. It's not. I mean, either way, it's not looking. It's we're looking at about an average of two or three. It's not. It's, it's not gone well. Yeah, that seems pretty generous. What about what about Carl's question? Are you optimistic or pessimistic about early education care in twenty twenty one? I like that question. Okay. It is a good question. All right, it's well, a great question. Mm. Leanne, you go first. Well, um, even though I was a bit sort of pessimistic about um, the you know, what might possibly be an undermining of of our um, system. I'm actually very optimistic about early childhood education because, and care, because I think it's an international issue. And when I see it on the international stage, I think that there's a lot of people who are talking about it and there's a strong movement behind early childhood education that has been exposed as a result of a global pandemic. And people have come around that. So I'm optimistic about ECEC in 2021. Fair enough. Well, what about you, Lisa? I'm pessimistic. Yes. Things are back to normal. Nature is healing. Sorry, Lisa. Yeah. The main reason I'm pessimistic is because we have a conservative government in power nationally and in many of our states. And the one thing that I don't think people understand enough in our sector is that education in general doesn't go well under a conservative government. And so early education can't go well either. Yeah. Well, I think I might... If I made both of you pessimistic as well... No. No, I, I think I'm going to split the difference. I'm going to say I'm optimistic in the longer term because I just think the forces for change are so strong and urgent that there will have to be some change. I think I'm just probably pessimistic we're going to get there next year. I just think governments are going to have lots of other things to focus on, which they think will give them an excuse to not focus on things like this. Um, so I think 
Yes, we just won't see that change next year. So I'm probably pessimistic about 2021, but optimistic in the sort of the time after that, that change will be forced on them. And look, there was one really good thing that happened in 2020. Donald Trump didn't win That's true. He lost, I think he's lost about 10 or 11 times now. It's been great. Every morning I wake up and he's lost again. <laughs> no, not according to him. <laughs> uh, so funny. Uh, and see, that's that's something that, you know, like we, we've sort of almost kind of it's passed without a blip really, hasn't it? It's becoming less and less of a news that's true. item. That's true. Relevance deprivation syndrome is going to have pretty soon. God knows what he's going to do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we have now yep. wrapped up yet another year for the podcast. So hang on, hang on. We've got to say one final oh, thing what? that's happening. <gasps> ah, yes. It was announced today that there's going to be a review of our beloved EYLF and also My Time yeah, Out Place. Yeah, that's going to be our fifth planned episode for 2021. We're definitely going to have to tackle tackle that. Have you got some initial thoughts though, Lisa? Um, look, I'm worried that it's going to be done by the bureaucracy rather than by academics as it was the first time, so... I'm I, asking everyone to keep that, an eye out. Lisa, can you please expand on that? Because I didn't read that in the communique. I did not see that in the communique. Um, so in the communique it says that it's going to, that the review is going to be progressed by the Early Childhood Policy Group who will report to the Australian Early Australian Education uh, I've forgotten what the other acronym on um, uh, senior officers council, um, and both of those are, are lots of bureaucrats from every state. Oh, okay, okay. And right. they'll establish a time limited steering steering committee to oversee the update project. Right. So it doesn't say it anywhere along there, and we will um, run a tender process to see who gets it, or we will, you know, give it to the best early education academics in the country. Or we but I, but I've read together. that differently. So when it says that they're commissioning it, are we saying they're just, like, it's not really commissioning? The, the council just... is commissioning it from uh, from the, the, the states and territories. Right. Okay. All right. Well, that's thank you for that. Because I, I, I could read that. Yeah, you know, I could be way out. And if someone wants to tell me that I'm way out, please do. Um, but yeah, at the moment, a little bit concerned about the process for well, doing. Should say it. that that's happening as well yeah. as the ongoing yeah. NQF review as well. So a lot of yeah, it's a review review season next yeah. year. Yeah, it is. And I noticed that they they well, I thought this was a new acronym, ALFs, Australian I did see Learning that, the Framework. Yeah, I've never heard that one. Yeah, that was embedded. It's and gendered. Was... It's gendered. <laughs> how self. Okay, that's pretty funny. Um, the one thing that, that bothered me about this announcement was, and, and it was probably just a bit nitpicky and, I haven't got time to probably go through it. But the way that it was presented was that uh, the framework kind of came in and then it was like, then it was in proper in 2012. I've, I've got to kind of read it back again to just make sure that I wasn't 
sort of reading that. But I think one of the really important things about the Early Years Learning Framework was that it was introduced, well, the Early Years Learning Framework, I'm not talking about the My Time, Our Place. The Early Years Learning Framework was introduced in 2009 to the yeah. sector, right? Yep. And I think that that actually was a very important move because what it meant was that the national quality standards then were received in a um, more open manner because people really embraced the early years learning framework and they were um, they were very they were much more open to the standards and I thought that it was actually a really kind of incredibly good way to introduce a something so important as the early years learning framework not only that it was in the hands of the sector and so I just wanted to make those points that I thought that it was really fantastic that that's what happened and I think that that's kind of been explained away oh they were developed prior to and formally introduced formally introduced with the commencement of the NQF and in actual fact it was deeply embedded by the time the NQF was introduced. Yeah. I agree. Well, definitely a topic we'll be returning to in 2021, I suspect. But probably the review, these wait. reviews take forever Which, as well, don't they? So, I mean, we're probably going to be looking until 2022 before we're close to seeing anything approaching a draft. Uh, look, well, it's, being, uh, it's being implemented in the new 20, one will go in, in 2023. Oh, so um, by the middle of next year, there'll be stakeholder feedback and engagement process. Does anyone feel like vomiting? <laughs> The other thing that really worries me is that they're going to check out the PC re reports to see what they're saying about the EYLF. You mean <laughs> my favourite report? <laughs> oh, God. And your most least liked one as well. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, but Liam, you'll also be pleased to hear that they're also going to look at, um, you know, what, it, what the... Um, uh, convention on the Rights of the Child says and how it should be Wonderful. implemented in Wonderful. the EYLF. Yeah. Mm. Excellent. Mm. All right. Well, I think we have kept ourselves up. Oh, no. Well, Every on, time I've Liam, tried to wrap up, there's always one more thing. Sorry, sorry. I know, I know. But look, this cannot end without Lisa and I saying that you have done the most incredible job of um, putting this together. Lisa and I just get on here and chat and Liam is amazing at making this into a, a podcast and so I just um, think that we would both say huge thanks to you you're awesome and thank you for your service to the sector yeah, you you really are Liam oh, it's way you. too kind yeah. both you and I am my paid for my labors <laughs> that I get to hang out and chat with you both so regularly uh, on the podcast <laughs> and on Twitter but um it's been lovely to do this again with you for another year. And despite what people may wish, I, I suspect we won't be stopping anytime soon. <laughs> well, we're heading to our... Let's <laughs> keep bantering, guys. Yeah, that's right. And we, we are heading to our 10th anniversary. We go, well, not next year. We've got a few more to go. But, you know, we're on our way to long service. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't wait. I'll be putting in an application as soon as it's possible. <laughs> and the... <this, this laughs> Tenth anniversary is the tin anniversary. Oh, very so, true. Yeah, we've always suspected oh, we're tin well, men. <laughs> I think we're doing the tenth anniversary from. I like uh, it. Geneva. Let's do that. Absolutely, yeah. that's done. Locked okay, in. Done. Well, um, let's. Uh, so, 
Well, I, bye so bye now everyone. I'm going to stop us before we say that. Let's, uh, I just want to say a big thanks to everyone who came on the show this year, um, you know, recorded late with us. Uh, thanks to all the listeners. Thanks to everyone who's engaged on social media, Facebook. I hope everyone, even if it's short, even if it's only a few days, has a well-earned break and comes back for more advocacy and banter next year. But um, well done, early educators. Well done, teachers. Well done, sector leaders. Well done, everyone who's had an incredibly difficult year. And, um, yes, enjoy enjoy that probably small amount of downtime for you all but can't wait to be back again next year yes here here you have been listening to the early education show you can find show notes and links for this episode and all our other episodes at earlyeducationshow.com The show is hosted by Lisa Bryant, Leanne Gibbs and Liam McNicholas and produced by Liam McNicholas. The music is by Jazar at betterwithmusic.com. Please subscribe, rate and review the show in the Apple Podcast Store. It really helps others find the show. Get in touch with us at Early Edu Show on Facebook and Twitter or send us an email at earlyedushow at gmail.com. See you next time.